Toby and Jack uh, sitting beside my beautiful wife Anna uh, right here as we worship uh, together. You know, there's this early stage with the kids and they're kind of like you're feeding them crackers as fast as you possibly can just to keep them in the seat with you, right? And you learned early in the process that you're not going to be feeding them candy because it's just going to get worse and worse and worse, right? But slowly, uh, bit by bit and, and moment by moment as our boys have grown up doing worship with us as a community, uh, they've come to the place where they're uh, worshiping with us and, and you begin to hear this little voice that's beside you just beginning to split the difference. See, this little voice that's um, beside you that's beginning to just sing, beginning to lift its voice. You see these little hands that sort of come up in your field of view and begin to raise, and all of a sudden your 16-year-old is sitting beside your wife, and his hands are like this, and he's worshiping Jesus. And we, we really value the way that things are caught like that from, from generation to generation. So we just want to talk about that a little bit today. Uh, everything that I'm saying about uh, moms and mentoring in particular in the text that we're going to look at in a few moments is something that guys can catch as well. So hopefully there will be value there. Uh, just a statistic that can be maybe a little interesting for us. Uh, this is just a statistic out of the U.S. One of three young people growing up today have no significant adult acting as a mentor in their lives. So there are young people that are growing up in our culture and our society that just don't have a person to look up to. They have people who are maybe in their lives who are maybe as acting as much like kids as they are. They might have people in their lives who are uh, focused on their own thing and not really giving them the attention that they need. There might be adults in and around them and taking care of them, but there may not be somebody in, in their lives who is actually looking at that child and saying, this is a person that I am made to develop, I am made to invest in, I am made to care for. And the result of that, of course, in our culture is, is almost terrifying to see what we look like with 33% with of the people uh, who grow up all around us, uh, not having anybody to teach them how to grow up around us. Right? There's, there's, there's all kinds of things that are happening in culture that are simply happening because there's not uh, a heart or a passion for mentoring on the hearts of, of lots of parents out there. Uh, it's just some, some phenomenal uh, statistics in terms of success predictors for people and young people with, uh, with mentors in their lives. And this comes right out of um, uh, a study done on fostering in the United States. And if you look at it, the, um, Somebody who's had a mentor in their life, somebody who's had uh, somebody really caring for them in their life, somebody who's got somebody who's watching out for them is 130% more likely to hold a leadership position in any field that they're taking. 130% more. Uh, somebody who's had a mentor is 90% more interested in being a mentor. Uh, someone who has had a mentor is 78% more likely to just be somebody who volunteers for things. So somebody who can see beyond themselves to see that society, that people are something to be invested in. And, and look at this, this statistic about education, more likely to roll in college, 56%. So having somebody in your life is a huge predictor of what your life is going to be, the outcome of your life. And what we see is an attention to this in the scriptures as well, right? There's, a, there's all, all over the place, especially if you look at Proverbs, there's verse after verse after verse, train up your child in the way, Do, you know, all of these things, all about how we raise and, and train and nurture and care for people. But more than just caring for children, it's about adults caring for slightly 
younger adults and, and teaching and mentoring and training that happens uh, in the community uh, through the whole spectrum of generations. And so just to look at that, I want to just look at um, Titus chapter 2. And this is a book that is written by Paul to a friend named Titus. We see Titus appearing in Acts, uh, sent off on mission uh, by Paul to go and visit Corinth and to go and be in different places. So Titus is one of the young leaders who's been mentored by Paul. And as Paul mentors Titus, he's actually teaching him how to mentor in this uh, chapter, in chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. So let's just read this together and we'll just have, uh, have some fun pulling a few things out of it. Uh, Titus 2, chapter 1 to 8. You're going to find some uh, particularly interesting um, instruction in here, which we'll just unpack in a few moments. But you, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Likewise, Teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. Let's just unpack a few things uh, there for a minute. Again, that's just the text. Uh, first, um, you, you, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. So what uh, Paul is doing here with Timothy, when he's, or with uh, Titus, when he's teaching about this, is he's basically saying, whatever you're teaching, you're teaching it in the context of, of a greater teaching that is over it. Like teaching in terms of what a church should be doing, in terms of what we're hoping to do as a community. We're hoping to teach the big thoughts about Christianity, the big thoughts about theology, the big thoughts about what we need to believe about God. And everything that we teach about how to live practically happens in a way that flows out of that. So he's saying, uh, let the big picture guide the little picture in terms of how you instruct one another. And so just that's just a note to us, I think, as we think about how we train and mentor and teach our kids and do home churches and all of that is we want to be people who are teaching not just the stuff of life, but we want to be teaching uh, the stuff of God and teaching the stuff of life that flows out of that. So there's a bigger context that's really important. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound of faith, in love and endurance. We're going to skip over them because it's Mother's Day. Uh, likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live. And you see the words highlighted up there. And I think just to unpack that from the scriptures, I think what he really means there is not wearing lampshades on their heads at parties. I think, I think that's sort of really key uh, for, for women. Uh, not addicted to too much wine. Again, that's in the scriptures, but I guess a little bit is okay. <laughs> I'm just reading the text and what it says uh, there. Uh, to teach what is good and just filling in the blanks from the Greek, I think that means about how to make pies and do laundry. Um, <laughs> how to uh, love their children, how to love their children by making pies and doing laundry. Um, about being, how to be self-controlled and pure, like that's a huge one. And that happens through not drinking too much wine. Um, how to be busy at home, right? That's huge. By making more pies and doing laundry. 
to be kind, right? That's huge um, to their husbands when they get back from the pub. And to be subject to their husbands. Don't blame me, I didn't write the Bible. Okay, so I am not here to unpack this particular part of scripture uh, with a lot of depth. I, I'm not going to dig into all of the gender roles uh, stuff at all this morning, except to say that I think we live in a culture where uh, we have to be aware that there's lots of, uh, of, of different things going on there in terms of just how families work and operate together. Just a, just a little story, we were sitting uh, in staff meeting and Linda Sprunt, uh, who's on our staff team, does administration. She, one of the things she does is administrates the meal train for us. Meal train is this program where we have, where like, the Tiffany referred to it this morning, where when a couple is in need or somebody's grieving or struggling or has just had a baby or whatever, we activate the meal train. An email goes out to uh, people in the community and, and there's dates that they can sign up for to prepare a meal for somebody and deliver it to their home and just to bless them in a moment of need. And Linda was just sort of, we'd done a meal train recently and, and Linda was a little bit disappointed that we didn't have like full uptake in terms of as, as many of the dates signed up for as we wanted to. And James, who is at our staff meeting as well, James volunteers to sort of oversee production and worship for us. James just sort of pipes up in the middle of the staff meeting and says, Linda, I, I didn't get an email. Oh, oh, wait a minute, like, I do most of the cooking in my home. And, uh, and, and Matt sort of piped up and said, I, I do a lot of cooking in my house. And Tim was like, yep. And I'm like, I can kind of cook. <laughs> you know? And so Linda, you know, she's like, all right, let's adjust this thing. And she's starting to put in the guy's email addresses in the meal train. Because there's a lot of times, just in the way family dynamics work, that, that, that guys are cooking dinner. Like sometimes I have a little more flexibility in my schedule than, than Anna. I actually know how to use the Instant Pot. Like I can get home. Yeah. yeah. I know. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. We could just have an altar call right now. But come on. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> it's exactly, it's not 1952. Right? So I can operate that thing. It's great. I've got skills. I've got Instant Pot skills. I think it's just a weird way of boiling everything you ever make, but it's, uh, it's, all, it's all good. It's quick. It works great. So there we go. Um, and then, of course, this, the text just ends with this little bit. Uh, similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled, right? So just to point us to this fact that this word similarly actually uh, means in exactly the same way. It doesn't mean like in kind of a little bit sort of like that way. Like in exactly the same way. Convince the men to make pies and all that. No, it's just to be self-controlled, right? And how many of you young men love that, love the idea of being self-controlled? Like it's super, super fun. It's super great. But there's something to look so we're not really looking to take out of this text, you know, all of this sort of gender role stuff. I'm not going to unpack all of that kind of stuff. We're just having fun with that. But what I do want us to take out of the text is this, uh, the word teach and the way it shows up in there. Right? Because we're talking about mentoring. We're talking about relationships, right? Uh, how people grow. Um, so if you look at this, you, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to. Teach the older women to. 
teach what is good so that they can urge the younger women to, so they can encourage the young men to. Now, what's interesting about all of this is that not the same word for teach is used in all these instances in the Greek. There's something a little bit different every time uh, those words are used. And I think if we look at those words we, and see the different words that are there in the Greek, we can sort of imagine a little bit of nuance to how teaching might work through the generations and just pick up some wisdom about, uh, about how mentoring works just from that. So that's what we're going to do a little bit of this morning. Uh, so let's just unpack these a little bit one by one. I should have maybe put them on separate slides, but there it is all at once. We'll just start at the top. Uh, doctrine, uh, the word there for Greek uh, means, in terms of teaching, means spoken with consistency. And so there's just two things I want to note from that. When we're talking about teaching doctrine, talking about teaching theology, talking about teaching the Bible, one that's something that's really important for us. We don't want to lose that as a community. We don't want to lose the importance of theology. Theology is important. Again, as we said earlier, it's the foundation of all of the other things that we want to teach. We want to have a right understanding about God and who he is. And, and secondly, I, I think this, just this word, laleo, in front of that word, uh, that actual term, terms of information type teaching, it just means to speak it. Like sometimes we think that theology is just caught maybe by the songs that we sing or the hymns that we do or, or whatever, but there's actually an intentionality behind that word and there's an intentionality behind learning that's important for us, uh, that we need to speak wise theology to one another and we need to learn it. It's important to learn this stuff. So I encourage young people, young leaders uh, to go to school, to read the books, to engage with the stuff that's there. Cognitive learning is an important part of the process. Uh, the second word, uh, the, the, the verb for the older man part and the older women part, it's all the same verb for them in terms of how older men and older women are to be taught. And I just love Paul's instruction uh, to them. Uh, older men and older women are to be made to. And I think that's just mean of Paul, actually. Because that's like giving him no instruction at all. Sorry for the clipping. Should I grab the, uh, the handheld? Yeah. Check one, two. Okay, uh, so in terms of like the, the teaching for uh, uh, elder men and elder women, and I just about wrote older men and older women, but that word elder there I just wanted to bring to our attention is the same word presbytero that we get uh, elders, like the, the formal elders of the church. So it's just where we get that same word. Um, so elder men and women are to be made to, Paul says. And that's like just terrible instruction. It really doesn't have a lot of nuance to it. It's just make them be like this. Make them be like this, right? So he doesn't tell them, and I think that's one of the struggles that we have as leaders uh, when we're trying to lead people who are a little bit older than us, is like, how do I actually lead someone who's further ahead uh, than me on the journey? Because Titus was presumably a relatively young man coming into communities that were already more established. And, and Paul is just saying to him that this is the goal for them. I don't really know how you're going to get there. Like, I don't really know how to tell my father-in-law to smarten up, John. Where are you? Like, I'm really not exactly sure how that works right? He's so wayward all the time and getting into so much trouble. Uh, <laughs> right, how do, you, how do you do that? But, but Paul doesn't give him a lot of, of, of instruction, but there, there is a way of holding up a standard, which is, I think, what Paul's saying there. 
that, that as leaders, we're to hold up a standard for people uh, to, to begin to follow, begin to learn. And Paul talks, of course, about some of those things in the standard there. So he doesn't give us a lot with that one. But I love this language around what he's talking about. When he talks about the elder females, uh, he's saying, you ought to be teachers. You ought to be teachers of good at the end of verse 3 there. And what it says, uh, that word there in the Greek means sharing the attractively good. And so what he's really talking about there is a winsome way of teaching, a winsome way of uh, presenting the goodness of the gospel, the goodness of character, the goodness of, of a way of being that's going to be transformative in the lives of people and presenting that in a way that draws, presenting that in a way that's attractive, presenting that in a way that's invitational. So there's a call for us as people to teach in a way that just draws the people who want to be taught. Right? Now, we have such a tendency as, as people to want to teach in a way that... that uh, uh, kind of captivates, right? The kind of captures, the kind of uh, lets us teach from a place of authority where we get to tell people what to do. I'm a natural uh, person who's sort of wired that way. You know, I'm a disc D or an Enneagram 8, right? Like I like to tell people what to do. I'm kind of wired to do that. But this way of teaching is like, no, no, inspire, invite, and call people into a journey with you, right? And invite them to be a part of it. Uh, let the goodness that you want to be in them appear as attractive to them. And it's calling us to a little bit of a humble position of maybe selling, of maybe inviting. So that's just, I think, a little wisdom for us as people who want to mentor people, is let the wisdom that's in you, that God's given you, what God wants for you to share, be something that others are drawn to, something that is attractive, right? And then the, the language shifts when we get to young men and to young women again, right? So when uh, he's telling uh, elder females to teach young women, the word he uses is sophrosio, I didn't even know if I pronounced that right. But young women are to be called to one's senses, is what that means. Or called back to their senses. <laughs> Which I'm not going to make any comment on that. But, uh, but what I think the language really means there is to be uh, called to be aware of what's around them. And isn't that something that we as people need? is to be called to be aware not just of self, not just of the internal, not just of feelings, not just of, of what we have inside of us, to, but be called uh, to be aware of what's around. Pay attention to your senses. Pay attention to what you see. Pay attention to what you hear. Pay attention to the external stimuli and begin to be an outward-focused person. And so that's what an elder woman is to teach uh, to a younger woman in the scriptures. That's the word, word that Paul uses there. That there's a drawing out of otherness that's required for us as we, as we train and equip and develop people. A calling of people to see beyond themselves. And I think that's an important and a beautiful word. Uh, when it gets to young men, he uses a different word completely. He uses this word parakaleo, which is very similar to that word that we have paraclete to describe the Holy Spirit, the one who comes alongside. But the way that language works in the Greek for young men is means that they are to be brought alongside with strength. And that's a pretty good image of what a young man needs, right? 
the young men in our community, um, the young men who are trying to figure out their way in life, they want to go, they want to be free, they want to do their own thing, they don't want to listen very much uh, for the most part, right? The, there's something about my journey when I was a young man when, when I did not really want a mentor, to be fully honest. I didn't really want people to teach me. I was pretty convinced that I knew what I was doing, thank you very much, <laughs> right? That may be my personality coming through a little bit too, right? But there's something about that call to, to how we mentor one another and care for one another that with that, that young person, it's like, I'm going to come alongside you and with strength, I'm going to wrap my arm around you and I'm going to bring you in. And I'm just going to hold you here for a little while. And isn't that something that, that we need as people sometimes? right? Not to be crushing the spirit of a young man or woman, not to be uh, crushing their hearts, not to be uh, out in front of them, not letting them lead at all, not to be letting them running off on their own, doing their own thing, uh, completely independent. But the people who are leaders under me as a pastor are people that I need to begin to see more and more as people that just side uh, as I get a little older and a little more confident and a little more mature and just not be afraid to do the arm around the shoulder and just bring you in a little bit and say, hey, young man, let's walk together. And that's what you guys need to do for people who are younger than you in your spiritual journey. You need to see the young men in the community uh, who are a little bit lost, a little bit wayward, not quite figuring out what they're supposed to do and just come alongside them kind of with some force, kind of whether they're not really wanting it or not, and just the arm around the shoulder and just bring them in and just bring them in and say, hey, why don't you just walk with me for a little while? There's a call to, to leadership that's like that. And so you're looking at all of these people that we're caring for. We're caring for young women. We're caring for young men. We're caring for older folk uh, as a church, as a community. And there's just uh, some wisdom in the scriptures around how we do that and how we care and how we love and how we, we, we bless them. And I think we could do, a, I, I think I can do another session on uh, some more specific thing about things about mentoring. But there's just a call to just do it. Right? There's a call to do it. I want to read another story, another little piece from the, from the scriptures, um, just to give us another picture of what this can look like. And that's from the story of Ruth. So we're going to read uh, chapter, uh, Ruth uh, chapter 1, verses 11 to 16. This is just a snippet from the story of Ruth and Naomi. And I want us to just uh, take a look at a couple of things here. We'll just read the text together. But Naomi said, return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? To give you just a little bit more broad context, uh, Naomi and her daughters, they're uh, people who, uh, she's a person who's living uh, outside of sort of the Jewish community at the time. Uh, she's connected with some daughters who are, um, who are not Jewish but through a non-Jewish husband. Uh, she's sort of out there outside of the land of Israel, outside of that sense of connectedness. And she comes into some hardship, like her husband dies and her daughter's husband die. And all of a sudden you've got these women who are trying to make their way in the world uh, without partners and they're trying to figure it out how do we do this thing together Naomi is aging and she's wrestling with her significance wrestling with her abilities uh, she says this return home my daughters why would you come with me am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands return home my daughters I am too old to have another husband even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? She's really wrestling with her fruitfulness. 
At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpha kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people, to her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. And so we're looking again back at a culture where uh, the marriage relationship uh, was a primary uh, way of social care and assistance. Uh, we don't look at that as much right now to be a successful in the world in Canada. You don't have to be a person who is married. It's, it's much easier in our time. But if you were to receive care and nurture and resources and everything in that culture, you needed to be married. And Ruth is sort of uh, looking up at her mother, uh, looking up at her mother-in-law, looking at Naomi, and seeing that this is a person who is like at least the closest thing I can see to somebody who is is to be caring for me but what she's hearing Naomi say is this like am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands I am too old and what she's wrestling with is can I actually care for you do I actually have anything to offer you Ruth do I have anything to give to you like like I'm past I'm done uh my my journey is almost over. Like, how does this work? What is my place in the community? How do I fit? How do I make it make a go here, right? And I think, uh, just from conversation with, uh, with, with people over the years, that I think that that's a, that's a struggle that we have as we become older, right? We begin to ask ourselves, what, what do I have to offer? How can I serve? What is it that I have to give? What can I do? What can I accomplish? Who, who would want to follow me? Who would want to listen to me? Just go away, young people, and be young people and do your thing. And that's something that's especially in our culture where we have such a segregation between the generations, where we're not seeing a huge value in the older voice. We're not seeing a huge uh, importance on having the younger people alongside of us, right? Uh, and so that's where Naomi is at. She's wrestling with like, what do I do? Where do I fit? How does this work? I'm too old. And I think that that's a real challenge uh, for us as people, is how do we see ourselves when we look in the mirror? Do you see yourself as someone with value? Uh, as an older man or an older woman, do you see the young people around you and imagine that they might be able to see something awesome and beautiful in you and that you might have something awesome and beautiful to offer them? When you look in the mirror, which woman do you see? And you guys have seen this before. This has been floating around for years and years. It was in old school textbooks. And I don't know, how many of you, when you look at that, you see an, an older woman? How many of you, when you look at it, you see a, a young woman? She's a little bit easier to see. If you want to see the older woman in, in, in there, uh, look at the, the collar of the young woman and see that as the mouth of the older woman, and look at the chin of the young woman, and see that as her nose. Look at the ear of the young woman, and see that as the older woman's eyes, and she'll appear to you. And you see the old babushka, the old Russian grandma, right? And I think what I want you to be able to do as people is to, when you look in the mirror, I want you to be able to see the old woman and the young woman. 
that you are. Right? You want to be able to see the older woman and the younger woman that you are. You want to be able to see yourself. Like my wife, Anna, come stand with me, my love. <laughs> this is a woman who uh, needs a mentor and who is a mentor. To some, she's a young woman, and to some, she's an old woman, but not me. Um, <laughs> 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 right? Thank you, love. Give me a <laughs> Right? And I think for everyone, no matter where, where you're at in terms of age and stage in your journey here in the community, you need to see yourself as a woman that a younger woman can look up to. And you need to see yourself as a young woman who might find some other woman who has something to offer. And the story is about Naomi and Ruth, but it could be about Bob and Fred right? As a man, you need to be able to see yourself as someone uh, who might need to learn someone, something from someone ahead of you in the journey. And you might need to see yourself as someone who a young person might have something to learn from. But you can't see yourself as existing unto yourself, by yourself, and for only yourself. Uh, when you look at that word, uh, just jumping back to the other text for a second, uh, wives, uh, you know, teach the women to submit. It, that word uh, in terms of submit in the language there is to see yourself in right position to. And it's not talking about an elevation thing. It's just seeing yourself in a right position to. And I think that's what we want as people is to see ourselves in a right position relative to others, to see those who are ahead of you, that you come in under, that you learn from, to see those that are behind you, that you can be a blessing and that you can nurture and that you can care for. Now the story goes on. As they wept, uh, at this they wept aloud. Then Orpha kissed her mother-in-law and said goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. And so I think that there's just something there for us, that, there, that you need to see uh, the women in your life, in your journey, who might not see their value and see who they are, who might be dismissing you, who might be not imagining what they have. Maybe that's a daughter to her mother. Uh, maybe that's a, a daughter to her mother-in-law. Maybe that's just another woman in the church. Or maybe you're a young man and looking at a, an older, more mature man. And you need to find a way, uh, without being clingy, to cling to them. Right, to latch on, to grab a hold, to, to say, hey, wait a minute, I see the value in you. I'm not going away from you. And if you want any tips on how to find a mentor, uh, we all have just enough ego to want to hear <laughs> that we're valuable and that we're awesome. If you want to inspire somebody to mentor you, it's so worth letting, just letting them know that you see value in them. To cling to them, ascribe that value to them. And then there's just something in, in her heart here at the end, uh, looking to the highlighted bit at the end, where you go, I will go. Where you go, I will go. Uh, being mentored, being led, or being a mentor means simply putting yourself in the place where the other person is. Simply putting yourself in the place where the other person is. Being in the driver's, in the passenger seat when they go on a trip. Uh, carry in their bags. Uh, one of the things I used to do when I was a, a pastor, a young pastor at a big church in Toronto, uh, we're having lots of guest speakers in. Uh, I would always, as much as I possibly could, to be the guy who went and picked them up from the airport. And I would pick them up from the airport and I would pick up their bag and I would put their bag in the trunk and I would drive them to the hotel. And in those three or four minutes in the car with some amazing, amazing gifted speakers and leaders, I was able to capture some incredible uh, wealth 
just from putting me in the, myself in the place uh, where others were uh, to just receive something uh, great. Uh, so where you go, I will go. Uh, your people will be my people. So get yourself in the family of somebody that you want to mentor you. Let their people be your people. If you want to be mentored by uh, an older person in the community, start caring for their kids, investing in their family, uh, supporting them, helping them, connecting with them. Let their people become your people and begin to pour your life out for them. And pretty soon mentorship will begin to flow. And then this piece, uh, let your God be my God. And that's the, that's the gold. That's the gold, right? Um, Naomi was dismissing herself because she couldn't provide wealth. She couldn't provide money. She couldn't provide uh, sustenance. She couldn't provide for these incredible daughters-in-law that she had. But she had something so much greater. She had a God who is the creator of the universe. To look at one another, uh, those who we want to be mentored by, those who we want to teach us and say, hey, that God that you're following, that you followed for your whole life, that Jesus that you know, I want him to be my God. I want to know Jesus. I want to know who he is to you. And then I can learn about who he is to me. Let your God be my God. Huge value. I'm just going to show a little video. It's just a story of mentoring maybe to encourage us. It was 17 years ago when she was in the first grade. She was a shy little girl, not able to smile much, and we worked on that a lot, and she came around, and now she's quite talkative. And someone came to my classroom and said, oh, um, this, this is gonna be your new friend. I wasn't sure what would be her interest, so I put together this bag, which I call my little bag of tricks, containing games, cards, arts and crafts. As we got to know one another and we did more fun things, an hour flew by and it would almost sometimes seem like 15 or 20 minutes and it was time to pack up and go and put all the things back in my little bag of tricks and wait for next week. I brought a new game, tic-tac-toe, and she was real anxious to play. She was joking around and trying to fool me. The most relaxed I have found her yet. When Elena let me read her diary, I read a lot of things about her saying, how excited she was to see me every week, and I didn't even realize how important I was to her. Elaine made me feel like that she really cared and she was always gonna be there for me. Um, no matter what I was going through, she was just, she never gave up on me. Just really became a good part of her life, and it was a great part of my life too. I didn't realize how important she meant to me. that I'm mentoring, I feel that importance, and I can spread those same values to the girls I mentor, and hopefully they can just keep passing on. It could be a big chain of, it's just a big chain of hope <laughs> for younger people. Never had a daughter, and um, the relationship we have now is wonderful. I really feel like she's a part of my family now, and I'm happy to have her. important to surround yourself with people who already are what you want to be. 
will you find uh, that person? Uh, go on that quest, go on that search, and offer yourself up to be that person uh, for someone else. We see just in that little video, that just the story of a you know one of many many mentorship programs that are out there and it's not something that we've actually developed as a church but get yourself to a home church that are our intergenerational gatherings where uh where you can be a young mom who's in the same room with kathleen patchell Get yourself to a place where uh, your children can be uh, back continually, weekly, if you can, uh, back at OVV Grow with Kathy Moore Crispin. If, if you're wondering who you can care for and how to care and how to learn, go sign up and let Kathy teach you and, let, and become a Sunday school teacher and learn how to care for young women and young men in spaces like that. Just be where there's a need and be where you can get what you need in relationships with others. But don't be by yourself. Don't be struggling with life. Don't be trying to figure out how to do this journey. Uh, trying to grow into something that you want to be without someone in your life who's already there. Look above, look behind, and that's how we're all going to grow how we're all going to grow. Let's stand up. Let's, let's just stand up and pray. Uh, thank you so much for the women in this community. Thank you so much for the young women and for the elder women. Thank you for the young men and the elder men. Thank you for all the ones in between. We just uh, come into life again, hopefully receiving and, and, and seeing ourselves uh, in a humble way that honestly can recognize our need, that we need to be led, that we need to learn, that we need to grow, that we need someone on the journey ahead of us to invest in us, to pour in us, to teach us, to grow us. And to be humble people who can receive that. And as we have that humility, would you let us have just enough encouragement and strength and confidence in who you've made us to be, to look uh, behind us in the journey and see who it is that we need to put our arm around, to invite them to walk with us. That we would be leaders who are led. Give us the courage to build and develop those relationships and teach us how to do it, Father, so that we can grow, so that we can become more like you. Thank you for everywhere in our community that this is happening, and we ask that you would multiply it and magnify it and teach us how to do it better. We really don't know what we're doing, God, but would you teach us? For everyone who's hungry to learn, hungry to grow, help them find their place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. God bless you.